Hello, Prestige Heads, and welcome to a special edition of American Prestige, where we discuss the German election. Uh, I'm Danny Bessner, here as always with my friend and colleague, Derek Davison. Hello. Uh, and we're, Guten Tag. <laughs> Guten Tag. Very good. Oh, I should have done that. Uh, and we're here with Tim Noonan, uh, lecturer at the Free University of Berlin. Uh, so, Tim, thanks so much for joining us. And, and Tim has been living in Deutschland uh, for quite a while. Uh, and so I thought it'd be a good idea. We thought it'd be a good idea to have him on the show to discuss the German election. So, Tim, why don't we just begin is what is the state of German politics essentially since Trump's election, which is probably viewed as a turning point in uh, European history and particularly U.S.-European uh, relations? Yeah, uh, well, uh, thanks for having me on, guys. It's always a pleasure to, to be here. Um, yeah, you know, I think at a moment, uh, or against the general background of uh, Trump and uh, Brexit and kind of the rise of uh, right-wing politics, you know, I, I think it's pretty common for Americans to view Germany as this, uh, you know, kind of liberal outpost or uh, Merkel in particular as kind of a, a liberal stalwart in a, um, in a troubled world. Um, and indeed, looking at politics since, um, say, 2016 or so, you know, there's some reasons why people might be inclined to do this. Um, you know, it's true that the uh, when Germany had uh, elections the last time in uh, 2017, uh, the AfD made a big splash uh, into the Bundestag. By AfD, I'm that's the al- alternative. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Alternative for Deutschland. Yeah, yeah. This is a uh, right-wing, Eurosceptic, uh, anti-immigrant uh, party. The alternative for Germany, Alternativa for Deutschland, in German, hence the acronym uh, AfD. Uh, but uh, Merkel really continued to show her kind of dominance of the political center in Germany in 2017, uh, pretty easily defeating uh, her um, her uh, opponent, uh, Martin Schulz, um, a high-ranking uh, official at the EU and um, SPD, Social Democratic Party uh, candidate. Um, but of course, since then, uh, Germany has seen a lot of new crises. There's obviously been the uh, pandemic uh, with its impacts on European finances. It's raised concerns about social inequality. Um, in Germany. Uh, Germany has some of the highest levels of wealth inequality in the entire EU um, as well. And so going into this election, um, you know, a lot of the issues that are at play seem to be quite different than in 2017. If in 2017, a lot of the issues were the impact of the 2015 uh, refugee crisis um, in the EU, you know, going into this election, I think people were much more concerned with issues such as uh, climate change and what a German or indeed EU level policy would look like. Uh, people were obviously concerned about um, uh, pensions and the uh, reforms that might be made to the sort of healthcare profession, in particular uh, to people involved in uh, elder care and uh, hospice care, which is a really big issue in German politics, um, and uh, more broadly issues of uh, social inequality. Debates over minimum wage were a, a big issue in the campaign. Uh, foreign policy was not really a, a big issue in this campaign, although as we may get to in our conversation, it, there are sort of interesting second order impacts here. So before we turn to the election, I think, um, you know, as they say in Shakespeare, exuant Merkel. Merkel exits the stage. So could you maybe give a little bit of a description about who Angela Merkel was? Um, If you know a bit of her background, that would be great, but no need if necessary. And you said she defined the center in German politics. So what is that center for Americans who might not know the first thing about, you know, the domestic politics of Germany? 
Sure. Well, um, Angela Merkel, as as you know, people, as I think people know, uh, you know, is is from uh, Eastern Germany. Her uh, parents, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, her father, I believe, was a uh, minister who I, I I believe migrated uh, to uh, uh, Mecklenburg-Vorpommern, which is a region of northeastern uh, Germany, kind of on the Baltic Sea coast. Um, and uh, you know, I think many people have pointed to her uh, her East German experiences and and the kind of Christian background is, is crucial in her formation. Uh, she entered the CDU having been a, a sorry she entered the Christian Democratic Party, also known as the CDU uh, in Germany, the really dominant kind of center right party uh, following the dissolution of East Germany in uh, 1990, um, and she really became known as a as an effective operator within the party under the patronage of the then uh, chancellor in the 1990s, uh, Helmut Kohl, the guy who kind of spearheaded uh, German reunification. Uh, Merkel had some stints as, I believe, the um, environmental minister, if I'm not mistaken, um, in some of Kohl's governments in the 1990s. And um, in 2005, uh, when the kind of um, uh, social democratic, uh, but you could argue kind of neoliberal uh, social democratic uh, prime minister Gerhard Schroeder called for new elections, uh, Merkel won a very close victory uh, over Schroeder. Um, you know, not for, for a lot of reasons, but I think one of the contributing factors was that Schroeder had kind of disappointed his um, social democratic base by introducing labor market reforms uh, that, that reduced a lot of job guarantees for Germans and introduced sort of uh, part-time work or, um, you know, furlough contracts and, and these kinds of things, which have aroused uh, a lot of uh, complaints. Uh, more broadly, though, your question, Danny, about what kind of defines the political center or Merkel as a uh, master uh, tightrope walker, uh, you might say, um, I think it's the fact that uh, Merkel has managed to, uh, or at least until 2015 or so, really managed to uh, uphold the CDU's uh, longstanding policy of not allowing any parties to emerge to the right of it uh, on issues such as euroskepticism or you know, racism or deportation. Of, uh, yeah, they're, of they're just, is, would it be like, uh, not to put it too crudely, but are like, they just racist enough? Are they just right wing enough? So they d reflect the outer bounds of the right of German society. That's essentially what I'm trying to ask. This was sort of historically the, the goal of the CDU. There's a sort of more complicated piece to it because the CDU, this Christian Democratic Party also includes a kind of Bavarian uh, sister party. Yes. which is more conservative on issues. But when we talk about conservative uh, too here, a, a big part of it is the fiscal policy as well. They're very, um, they have very, very little taste for running budget deficits. Uh, there's a, uh, they're very uh, pro-EU uh, um, and have supported the expansion of the EU, uh, but they are very, very concerned historically about the collectivization of European debts, whether in the financial crisis uh, or in the wake of uh, aid packages for COVID-19. So one of the you know, central tensions here is and we don't really face this in the U.S. because we, you know, states like New York or California produce sort of surpluses within the United States as a federal system. But it's, it, we don't really complain uh, yet, at least about, you know, Mississippi or uh, uh, Louisiana taking more than they give, let's say. Uh, that dynamic's right. a little bit different in Europe, of course. You hear a little of it, but not very much. Yeah. 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 It's not really a, a, a significant political issue, I would say. But in any event, I think what has defined um, Merkel really over the years has been her ability to take issues that were uh, once uh, the domain of her uh, social democratic and sometimes Green Party challengers. One of the major parties in Germany is the Green Party, which is largely focused, but not exclusively on environmental issues. Um, 
And so, for instance, uh, Merkel embraced uh, gay marriage uh, in Germany. Uh, the C in the CDU stands for Christian, and for a long time, this had been uh, unpopular. But she, you know, uh, moved her party to the left in terms of uh, social liberalism. Certainly, uh, likewise, after the Fukushima disaster in the early 2010s, uh, Merkel made the decision to shut down uh, all atomic reactors. Uh, in Germany, uh, which raises complex questions about where, you know, is Germany going to get gas from Russia to compensate for this? Are we going to all put solar panels on our on our houses to compensate for this? Um, but in doing so, she kind of uh, undercut, you might say, a lot of the independent appeal that a Green Party would have. Because, you know, with Merkel, you're getting a uh, experienced, uh, competent politician. And uh, while well, you're getting not only the social liberalism, but also the green stuff uh, as well. Um, and then, of course, so in, uh, in a sense, Tim, tell me if this is correct. Um, so she is the center because she literally, in a real way, defined the limits of politics in the party itself. That she said this was the furthest left will go, and this was the furthest right will go. So it's a pretty an interesting tightrope balancing act that we don't quite have in this country, being the United States. I, I, I think that's right. I think the the kind of closest equivalent might be if, let's say, uh, perhaps George W. Bush had sort of picked and chosen from the most popular, you know, elements of the Democratic Party platform, uh, while somehow preventing a Trumpist uh, uh, insurgency uh, to, to emerge. But the, it's very different context. But yeah, you could say that she certainly until the mid 2010s managed to kind of prevent an attack from the right. There's there's not this dynamic of like Republicans primarying each other to death that we have in the states. Um, and at the, at the same time, she was able to sort of pick and choose these uh, popular elements uh, from her social democratic and uh, Green Party opponents. So, Tim, why don't you tell us what what happened and what does this suggest or what does this augur? Sure. Uh, so, yeah, without getting uh, too much into the details, the kind of basic uh, first thing that you need to know is that the SPD or the Social Democratic Party has won the um, has won a slight majority. Uh, of the votes, uh, as we're reporting here on the day after the election, they have gotten 25.7% uh, of the votes. Uh, Merkel's party, uh, the CDU, the Christian Democrats, has gotten 24%. Um, the Green Party has 14%. Um, the FDP, the, the Free Democratic Party, which we may get to, has 11.5%. The AFD, this kind of um, you know Eurosceptic right-wing party, has 10%. And the so-called left party, has 4.9%. Now you might be asking yourself, well, wait a second, uh, you know, no, but none of these has uh, more than um, uh, 50%. So who's actually going to uh, lead the uh, government? And the answer to that is uh, Germany is um, unlike the uh, United States, a, uh, a kind of a parliamentary system where you have to form different coalitions. So one of the things that's going to be happening uh, in the weeks of October to come is uh, there's going to be all kinds of negotiations between these various parties to see which combination of them uh, can form a viable coalition. So for American listeners, uh, this might be like if we had a, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren party and a Bernie party and a Trump party and like a, uh, a Mitt Romney party or something. Um, it might be conceivable for, uh, you know, Joe Biden to form a coalition with Mitt Romney, uh, probably less likely for uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene to form a coalition with uh, AOC. Uh, but likewise, you know, these these different combinations are are possible. So uh, the Germans have a, have a very... Uh, uh, idiosyncratic system of naming the coalitions after various countries, be it Jamaica or Kenya uh, or even uh, Afghanistan, uh, for which sort of color combination of parties mixed into the coalition. Uh, but at the moment, I think what is the most likely outcome probably will be some kind of coalition government between the Social Democrats, uh, the Greens, and the 
uh, if you will, kind of neoliberal party, uh, the uh, FDP. There are other combinations possible, but as of right now, I think that's that so-called traffic light coalition and ample coalition is a uh, is the most likely outcome. There, the other outcome seems to be, or the other potential outcome seems to be um, uh, the the so-called Jamaica coalition, which would just swap out the the SPD for the CDU. Um, I, I wonder, you know, I, I guess my first question about the, the results here is, um, what do you attribute the CDU's decline to? Because they, you know, they lost 50 seats, uh, had their worst, the worst showing that the CDU CSU has ever had, um, in terms of percentage of the vote, um, there's some blame, I think, for the their chancellor candidate, Armin Lachette, who, who was not popular and was, you know, consistently uh, lost polls and, you know, sort of head-to-head polls against uh, the SPD's Olaf Scholz in terms of who people wanted to see as chancellor. Um, do you do you think it was solely personality driven, or are there other factors um, at play here to explain their their defeat here? Uh, you know, I think that that Lashet's performance uh, certainly is is a part of it. You know, uh, I'm not a uh, political salt consultant, but I think that when you're seen uh, laughing uh, in the background while visiting uh, flood victims, uh, it's probably not a not a good uh, tactic, uh, not a good look, as we would say. He's just trying to bring them some <laughs> some laughs, some good times. Um, uh, well, uh, well, uh, you know, poor poor Armin, but um, but no, seriously, Derek, I, I think that we. Um, I think you know. I think that any satisfying answer has to has to look a, a bit broader. Um, I think I just highlight a couple of points here. One paradox of German politics is that um, I think, with the exception of people who voted for the CDU, something like you know seventy five percent of German voters feel like some kind of fundamental change is uh, needed to sort of take the country in the right direction. Um, and yet, uh, a lot of voters, and especially those for the CDU, also feel that stability. Uh, is important. So, you know, I think one basic uh, problem that the with the CDU's brand thus far was they were trying to sell this vision of, oh, stability, but we're also going to make Germany competitive with other economies that are going through green reforms. Um, you know, I think a lot of other parties were able to sell themselves more effectively as change agents, uh, whether it was, you know, changing the chancellor, uh, you know, the, the more kind of racist EU skeptic vision of the AfD, uh, a more uh, kind of neoliberal digitalization agenda of the FDP or the environmental agenda of the uh, uh, Greens. I think more broadly, though, um, uh, two, I think, additional reasons why we're seeing this problem for the CDU is one, this earlier dynamic that Danny highlighted of not allowing anybody to emerge to your right has basically failed. Uh, and I think one big reason why the CDU is collapsing in this way is their sort of right-wing firewall has totally imploded um, and, um, well, now we have to be careful here in some parts of, uh, East Germany, the overall vote share for the AFD, this right-wing party has actually gone down over the last four years, but because of the fact that in some of these elections, you only need like 30 or 35% of the vote to win the direct vote seat and a little bit into the technicalities here, this means that oftentimes the AFD candidate has gotten more votes than the CDU candidate. So a lot of these, uh, precincts, if you will, where the CDU normally got people elected in. Uh, through the direct vote, they're now losing to the right-wing candidates. And at one very prominent race where they used this guy, Hans-Georg Maassen, as a kind of uh, ersatz um, uh, ultra-right-wing figure, 
even this guy lost uh, to a social democratic candidate, uh, but that was a case of them kind of cannibalizing the vote with the AFD. But to, to zoom out again, the basic dynamic here is this right wing firewall is sort of imploding and that's cutting into their gains from the right. Beyond that though, what's really interesting here for the future, I think, is that a lot of younger people um, are actually voting for not only the Greens, but also the FDP, this kind of neoliberal uh, pro-digitalization uh, party. I think a lot of young Germans were very spoken to by this message of, you know, you can accomplish anything. We want to live in a meritocracy. We want to make Germany more efficient and have less bureaucracy. But by the way, uh, no wealth tax, no inheritance tax, um, you know, no tax raises on the wealthy. We should be able to finance a Green New Deal, but with no new tax increases. So, you know, uh, one can, I think, from the perspective of American prestige, uh, we'd probably be critical <laughs> of that perspective, but I, I have to give them kudos for uh, for the, their advertising job. I think, uh, if I'm honest, I think the FDP probably ran the, the cleanest and most appealing uh, campaign, and I think you see that in the resonance that they found among voters under the age of 30. So, Tim, my question is, if we could, like, zoom out a bit, what does this suggest about, you know, German politics as a whole – what is the import of this for European politics? And would you be able to put it in a more North Atlantic context? Because this might be wacky, but you know, over the last few years, I'm beginning to view from a macro historical perspective, like the North Atlantic as a kind of single polity uh, in a real sense with this, you know, a shared civilizational quality. And there's problems with that term, but blah, blah, blah. So I was hoping if you could maybe speak a little bit to that in sort of the context of like the quote unquote industrialized, Western, developed, North Atlantic world slash alliance, what does this suggest about you know, developments and trends in that? So just to repeat, what does it suggest about German politics? Uh, what does it suggest about European politics? And then what does it suggest about North Atlantic politics? Uh, yeah, I think I'll start from the from the smallest scale before moving out to the uh, Bessnerian uh, North Atlantic uh, uh, civilization. Um what I think it suggests on the level of, of kind of the German uh, nation state, if you will, is, um, you know, the, the certainly the collapse of the traditional two party system that defined uh, West German politics and, and German politics to some extent for, you know, over 50 or, or 60 years. Um, it's true that the CDU and the SPD uh, have around 25 percent of the vote, but um, these are no longer the two, you know, kind of. Uh, I don't know, uh, uh, political Tyrannosaurus Rexes sort of stalking the uh, political scene, but they're really just slightly bigger players in a larger six-party uh, uh, system. Um, and this is really, I think, narrowing the, the number of coalitions that are possible. Um, you know, Germans sometimes talk about so-called bürgerliche or sort of, uh, I don't know, kind of uh, uh, civil bourgeois? or... Uh, yeah, kind of bourgeois, thank you. Yeah, bourgeois parties. And... Um, you know, I think what we're really seeing here is a collapse of these sort of larger parties that have more that had a kind of uh, transregional agenda or really able to capture a huge portion of the electorate. Um, I think that what that is suggesting um, about European politics and this kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, post-industrial uh, uh, move that, that you're suggesting, uh, Danny, is, is, um, is, is difficult to say. I, I think that uh, Germans... Uh, you know, on the one hand, want to maintain their industrial advantage. The you know, there's been a lot of concern in the election about what the fate is going to be of uh, large employers like BMW or Mercedes or Siemens, all of the great industrial firms, um, uh, and, and so on. Um, but I think uh, you know, attempts by the uh, past attempts by say the SPD to to find a uh, to find these traditional trade union voters had had really 
been failing. And I think one reason why the SPD was successful this election was not because they recovered this kind of trade unionist, uh, you know, blue collar worker uh, that had been their traditional uh, 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 clientele, politically speaking, but rather a lot of people who just wanted stability or felt like they wanted a continuity with the Merkel era just went for Schultz. So I think what's kind of unclear now is, you know, it seems to me that part of the population feels like, well, hey, uh, I don't want to just be making minimum wage and working in the supermarket. Uh, that's not uh, appealing to me. But whether this means like we need a Green New Deal and uh, are going to fundamentally transform the economy in that direction or just need to go in a more neoliberal direction and have uh, have sort of robots clean, uh, you know, take care of grandma in the future at the hospice home, uh, whether that is our future, that remains, uh, I think. Uh, what open. a dream. Utopia. <laughs> <laughs> the, the idea of having uh, sort of healthcare robots was indeed uh, touted by the uh, the uh, F- FDP, but um, you know, as as uh, as uh, King and Kodo say, uh, you know, uh, small German flags for for some, uh, you know, uh, hospice care robots for all. <laughs> um, so, Tim, I, I do want to end, I think, by talking about the person we we started talking about when we when we opened this discussion, Angela Merkel. Um, this is the end of an era. She's been Chancellor of Germany for almost sixteen years. Um, she's the longest serving. Uh, head of government in the European Union. It's it's been it's been a time it's, it's been a bit of a a time here, um, and I wonder um, as you sort of digest the the outcome of this election, um, as you say, you know there was sort of this move for change, but at the same time uh, you had Lachette and even as you you mentioned Schultz, even sort of characterizing themselves as uh, the continuity candidates. You know if you like Angela Merkel, vote for me. Um, at the same time, she campaigned uh, pretty heavily for Lachette, especially toward the end when it looked like, you know, the CDU was floundering. Um, it's unclear that she was able to move the needle very much. Um, I, I wonder if you could sort of, as she departs the stage, uh, kind of put her in context first in, in terms of what impact her legacy and her retirement had on this election? And secondly, uh, in terms of, you know, what are we going to remember of her era? I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm not versed in German politics, but internationally, um, I wonder, despite the fact that she's been around for so long and, and been such a uh, an impactful figure uh, in contemporary politics, I, I, I wonder what the actual sort of when we look back 10 years from now, what we're going to remember of her, her time as chancellor. Yeah. Well, I, I think that in spite of her, uh, you know, I think you have to say, uh, failing to move the needle too much for uh, Lashet at the end. Um, uh, you know, my, sort of a little bit like, uh, Margaret Thatcher once said that her greatest accomplishment was, uh, Tony Blair and, uh, new labor. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's, uh, I, I think it's, uh, telling that, uh, Schultz, um, who has had a uh, long career uh, uh, and 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 um, you know is not a really not a lefty by any means. No, you know, Schultz, he's, the, I mean, I he's more on the right wing of the SPD, right? He's sort of a centrist. Yeah, yeah, he's know, yeah, he's kind of within the center of the the SPD and and often uh, tried to distance himself from the more left elements of the SPD, such as uh, Kevin Kuhnert and Saskia Essen. But um, but still, I, I guess back to the original point, you, you know, I think Schultz, uh, to the extent that he was successful, it was really by portraying himself as his successor to Merkel, by like imitating her sort of hand gestures, uh, uh, you know, by, by presenting himself as a as sort of a watchword for uh, competence. 
and again, sort of presenting himself as this, this mantle of uh, stability. I think it'll be really unclear what happens in the next uh, election in a, in a couple of years, um, uh, four or five years down, down the road, when this sort of immediate Merkel legacy is no longer something that one can, can play oneself off of. Uh, both party, both of the major parties, both of these sort of so-called bourgeois parties of the CDU and, and SPD will have to face uh, big questions of, um, you know, in the case of the CDU, are they going to lean more into, um, you, you know, addressing climate change and trying to address a better educated urban uh, milieu as the Bavarian um, prime minister, Marcus Soder, uh, has made uh, gestures uh, towards doing, but he appears to be walking back some of his uh, his promises uh, following a not so great performance for for the CDU in Bavaria, uh, the CSU, um, and likewise within the SPD, there's going to be a lot of um, you know uh, fights within the party's uh, uh, various uh, wings, depending on uh, which which party they choose to ally with uh, uh, in this uh, coming uh, uh, coalition. Um, I think looking further ahead, um, you know, I think we're still we're likely to see this pre- this sort of continuing um, uh, 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 fracturing. Uh, of of, uh, of German politics, I think until the CDU or the SPD really lean more into a uh, sort of specific ideological uh, agenda, I think we're probably likely to see more outflow from the CDU to the uh, AfD. I think it's probably likely that the left party uh, that we haven't talked about so much uh, will kind of continue to disintegrate. Um, so it's it, it's difficult to to say, but I, I'm afraid that probably more uh, fracturing. Uh, is to uh, come and, and Germans will, you know, have to come to grips with this this issue of sort of uh, stability versus fracturing. Finally, uh, I think the legacy of Merkel will depend a lot on who you are and, and where you're from in Europe. I think that for a lot of CDU voters in wealthy places like Baden-Württemberg or Bavaria, uh, German incomes have gone up a lot. Uh, but certainly for Greeks, for Spaniards, uh, for Portuguese, uh, for Romanian and Bulgarian, uh, you know, immigrant workers who work in meatpacking plants that were COVID hotspots in Germany, uh, Germany is not a island of stability. It's not necessarily a, a guarantor of, uh, of democracy, but it's rather a kind of uh, laboratory uh, for these experiments in, um, you know, free migration of labor within the EU of experimenting with labor market reforms um, and and so on, uh, so um, you know in that regard, I think it's it's much more ambiguous if we zoom out to the European level and perhaps even to this transatlantic uh, level that Danny alluded to earlier. Yeah, actually, could you just end on that? What do you think this suggests in terms of that larger transatlantic world, if it does anything? Because, you know, people have been talking about, you know, Hungary and the rise of all of these autocracies and Putin and blah, blah, blah. But I was wondering what what you think this election suggests, which to me seems more relevant to what happens in that broader transatlantic coalition. Uh, Yeah, here I would highlight two things. I think one... um kind of underreported, but in, uh, I, I think important uh, result of this election is this will be the second federal election that the AFD has gotten into the Bundestag. This means that a lot of their party foundations, which include educational scholarships, offices abroad, uh, things for organizing conferences, will now get t- tens of millions of euros in German uh, funding. So for all of the stories that you've read about Steve Bannon and, and Renaissance castles in Italy, this is arguably much more significant in terms of the institutionalization of a uh, intellectual network of, uh, of right-wing European parties. And I think this is something that uh, American prestige listeners may want to follow up on uh, in the future on the in terms of the extreme right. But in terms of kind of a uh, uh, sort of transatlantic um, center, you know, one thing that jumped out to me during this uh, election was that 
you know, relations with the U.S. were certainly not the most important issue here. Um, politicians from the CDU in particular were trying to denounce uh, Laschet and Baerbock, the Green candidate, for saying, oh, you guys are going to form an alliance with uh, the left party, which wants to get out of NATO and, and sort of how, um, uh, how dare you. Um, but if anything, to me, this election was uh, really marked for its sort of lack of high level discussion about Germany's big picture in the world um, going ahead. Um, you know, whether it's the, the issue of uh, collectivization of European debts, um, whether it's, you know, American military bases such as uh, Rammstein, or if I'm not mistaken, I believe that AFRICOM um, is still headquartered in uh, Stuttgart. Um, Germany's relations with Russia remain complicated due to the completion of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. A lot of these kind of big picture issues about, you know, do we want to have a more standoffish relationship with the United States? Uh, how much are we really going to bet that there's never going to be a Trump 2.0 or a President Tom Cotton who's going to continue these issues? Um, unfortunately, I, I was very hungry for a, a, a deeper discussion of these kinds of issues. But, um, you know, it seems to be a theme in, in German elections. They really weren't um, uh, uh, touched on uh, too much. And my sense is that uh, Schultz uh, while he has uh, shown very good leadership uh, in terms of uh, kind of collective debt uh, on small issues uh, with pan with pandemic response, uh, I'm not sure if he's really has the political capital or the appetite to kind of tackle these big issues of uh, grand strategy, the transatlantic relationship, and Europe as an independent actor uh, between the U.S., Russia, and China. Tim, thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate it, and uh, have a good rest of your day. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tim. Yes. 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 Yes.